Welcome to the Kingdom Community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the Kingdom of God on the earth. To learn more about us, please visit kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Hi, my name is Linda Brown, and today it's my privilege to bring you session four of the Soteria School on Soul Ties. Soul Ties is a very interesting subject, and it's also quite confronting at times. So let's just dive in and see what we can learn about soul ties. Soul ties are formed when two or more persons become bonded together in the realm of the soul, mind, will, and emotions. It's a soul tie is the knitting together of two souls that can either bring blessings in a godly relationship or destruction when made with the wrong person. The stronger the soul tie, the more a person becomes like the one or ones to whom he relates. Who knows that sometimes we can become like the people we hang around. So it's really good to keep good company with people that have the same values and vision and purpose as yourself, if it's at all possible. Let's look at godly or correct soul ties as it is in the Bible. Let's look at David and Jonathan. In 1 Samuel 18, 1 to 4, it said, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. So their soul tie was also a covenant. It was a promise between them. Because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. So he basically gave him all that he had, all that was precious to him. He gave it to David. The word knit means to tie, bind up or join together. And a good soul tie is loyalty to each other. Isn't it beautiful when we have relationships where we know that the person is going to be loyal and we are going to be loyal to those people as well. That's a real gift in itself. The life of Jonathan was bonded to the life of David. When the love between friends is pure and not polluted by any selfish desire, now there's a key there, the bond between them works for the good in both their lives. So it's a really precious thing to have someone that you are connected to as a friend, a good friend. Ties between Christians, let's look at that very briefly as well. We've got a lot to get through in this session, so I will just skim over some things briefly and other things I will go into a little bit more depth. But there are prayers at the end that I'd like to take you through as well relating to these types of soul ties, and we're going to look at those and pray our way through them to be set free. Acts 4.32 says, And the multitude of them that believed talking about believers, were one heart, one soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. I don't think we see that very often these days, that 
that we don't think we actually own anything and everything belongs to everybody else. But we do have a spirit of generosity and we do have a spirit of giving within the body of Christ where if we see people in need, we do give and we will give because that's the right thing to do. That's the godly thing to do. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So we've all got a part to play in the body of Christ, building one another up, supporting one another, loving one another, and being Christ-like in our thoughts, deeds, and what we actually do and say as well. The next, se- the next section is talking about parent and child and family ties. Now, that can get really complex, especially in families these days where families are blended. Quite often there's one parent that's not there and maybe the child has never known that parent in their lifetime and another one comes along into the picture and there's a whole set of family dynamics that goes on within families that is just um, extremely complex and emotionally as well can be very taxing, especially if there are ungodly ties that are created even within the family, even within a uh, I wouldn't like to say the word normal because that's not um, the right word to use. But if you have a, a family unit that's a, a, a mother, a father and, and children, sometimes one parent may favor one child over another or they may just love one child more than another. And that can create ungodly ties as one child gets favored. We, we know the stories in the Bible where children get favored, like the, you know, like the prodigal son, he was given everything, you know, and his brother got very jealous because he thought that he had been favored by his father and that he had been left with nothing, which wasn't actually the truth. So you can see even in that situation of the prodigal son, that there was was soul ties, those unhealthy perceptions led to a lot of conflict. But thankfully, in the end, the prodigal son came home back to the father and he was reconciled to his family. So there are different scenarios where family ties and favor and even sometimes rejection of a child comes into play and that can create unhealthy behaviors and all sorts of dramas and situations to arise. Even later in life, if you've been rejected, um, the rejection can cause, like we said in session three, rejection can cause a whole series of um, behaviors that are not healthy as well. So, um, if you look at Jacob and Benjamin's relationship in Genesis 44, 20 and 30, it says, Now, therefore, when I come to the servant, my father, the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life. Sometimes also um, parents find it very hard to let go of their children and they start to, the, ch- the child is so bonded to a, a, a parent that even when they do leave home to enter a relationship, they are still so bonded to the parent that the partner or the wife or whoever it is can also feel really left out and they feel that their husband is favoring his parents or her parents more than 
they're favouring the husband or the wife. And that can cause its own set of problems. So there's a reason why the scripture says um, in a marriage that a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And that word cleave means that he will leave. He will leave, he will leave his father and mother. And that goes vice versa. A woman also you know, can, will leave her parents to be with her husband. And, um, and, and cleave, that word cleave means to cling to or adhere to. This is God has made sexual union to be whole being, being to whole being, spirit to spirit, soul to soul, and body to body. Pure and holy soul ties are always anchored in love. And a healthy soul tie, even within families, ministers love and security to the child throughout life. It stabilizes the child. If you look even at Ruth and Naomi's relationship, they had a beautiful relationship in the word. And, you know, Ruth said to Naomi, where you go, I'm going with you. It's like, I'm not leaving you behind. She loved her so much that she was willing to follow her anywhere. And that was a godly soul tie that brought great fruit out of that relationship as um, Ruth found her Boaz at the end of that account. I won't say story, I will say account. No, it's not a Bible story, it's a Bible account. I'm just putting that in there. So let's have a look. Soul ties can develop at different levels with others. Those whom you work with, that's actually really important to keep boundaries. Now, boundaries are something that we really need to have when we're at work, wherever we are, we must have boundaries in place. We must be aware of where we are, who we are with, and what is acceptable, moral, ethical behavior, Christ-like behavior. Soul ties can develop with those whom you work with. Now, how often do we hear of people running off with the people that they work with? Because they are in close proximity a lot of the time to those people eight hours a day. They see those people more than they see their families a lot of the time. So they develop or they may develop ungodly soul ties. They may develop ties, emotional ties, you know, where, you know, the, the, Maybe the woman comes in crying one day or even the man comes in crying one day if it's man and woman. And um, they, they, they develop feelings for one another, emotional feelings, which are outside the bounds of their own personal relationships. And then one thing leads to another and they end up having ungodly soul ties, which may even lead to um, immorality and even divorce in a lot of cases where it, that's been known to happen so often. And even within church, church circles, quite often, um, the and I'm not saying this happens all the time because it certainly doesn't. I know so many godly men and women of God who've been married for a long time and they're very, very happy and they have healthy relationships. But occasionally you will find that that one has actually strayed, if that's the word, and committed adultery with someone else who's been in very close proximity. And the enemy likes to set people up that way as well, especially Christians. That's the whole goal of the enemy is to separate, divide, rob, steal, kill, and destroy. 
So we must be very mindful as Christians where we are, who we are with, and always to remember that um, some people don't have very good motives. A lot of people, most people do, but there are occasionally those who don't. So you can have soul peoples with those whom you you live with. If you're sharing a house with other people, you can develop ties with them as well. Um, You can have godly ties with those people. They can be awesome to to live with. And you can develop really good friendships with people that you live with. Those whom you're related to. Of course, you're going to develop soul ties with them if if you're related to them and live with them as well. Those whom you're submitted to in leadership, it's very important also that your boundaries are very clear within that sphere as well, so that you don't cross boundaries and likewise, vice versa, that they don't cross boundaries as well. So boundaries are very important in the scheme of soul ties. It's actually very important to keep your boundaries and to make people aware of your boundaries and also for them to display good boundaries towards you as well and not overstep the mark. So let's look at ungodly or negative soul ties, which is emotional dependency. That's not healthy at all. It's just not a good um, scenario. When a person who is bounded to another, bonded to another, is governed by impure motives, that's what I was just saying about motives, or the desires for selfish gain, the soul tie between them can enable one to manipulate and abuse the other. And that is very cruel. Manipulation is a form of witchcraft and control, form of witchcraft. And it's not healthy. It's not good. It's not good for anybody to feel that they're being manipulated, abused, intimidated. So the person can actually control another through soul ties because the mind, will and emotions are now open to one another. So it can actually just draw you away from God in more ways than one. And it's not good to be in a relationship where manipulation and control is in play. It's actually detrimental to your mental health, even physical health, emotional health. Um, It depends on the type of manipulation and intimidation There's all sorts of um, financial abuse, um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, even within those relationships and threatening behaviours, all that kind of thing. It's not healthy to stay in those relationships. A soul tie can develop into emotional dependency in which two people have motives that are ungodly and the relationship turns into bondage of manipulation and control. Now we're going to look at soul ties that are caused through fornication. And it's, it's not an easy subject to talk about, but, you know, we've got to be real. And this is what happens. And I did a study quite a few years ago now on um, the amount of people that Australians had actually had partner-wise. And the average person had slept, I think, with 11 people. And when you look at the spiritual aspect of that, and they, they've done studies and they found that your DNA and their DNA, as their DNA is actually basically left within your body on a permanent basis after you've actually 
slept with them. So if you've slept with 11 people and they've slept with 11 people and they've slept with 11 people, then you can imagine the amount of ties and the amount of um, access the enemy has to your life through demonic access because that is how seducing spirits actually get into a person. Um, lust, all that kind of thing gets in. If there's been rape involved as well, there's all sorts of things get in at the same time spiritually. And you feel unclean, you feel rejected, all that kind of thing. You may even be subconsciously, you might even be, you would be drawn to other people who have the same spirit. As we said before, you get you get to be like the people you hang around with. So the same spirit that is in them gets attracted to you. I remember it was Robert Sliardon. He was here in Western Australia quite a few years ago, and he did a teaching on seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And he, he just spelled it out very clearly. He said um, it get, they can get in through abuse, if you've been sexually abused and it's not your fault, it's sexual abuse is not your fault. It does not, you don't plan, you don't set out to be sexually abused. Um, but what actually happens, it allows a demonic um, spirit to actually enter and it's a, like a seducing spirit. So one spirit will look across the room and see somebody and they have the same spirit. So it's almost like this is how he described in the, in the spirit, they're waving at one another going, hello, I see you. Let's have a party. So that person, even above and beyond themselves, may be attracted to someone like that until you are healed, restored and delivered of it. That will always be an operation in your life, even though you may not be aware of it. So some people actually end up sleeping with multiple partners, and they don't actually know why they've done it. They just think, my goodness, you know, I've, I've slept with this person again and or another person again. And the reason is because they have been violated. Their boundaries have been broken and there has been demonic activity in their life that has attracted that spirit. So it's very, very serious. It's actually really serious that we deal with soul ties that are caused through fornication. And um, 1 Corinthians 6.16 says, do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Flee sexual immorality. I just want to say that again. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. It's very serious. It's not something to be taken lightly. Those who engage in sex outside marriage become one flesh, which God purposed solely for a man and wife. Proverbs 6, 27 to 29 says, Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. 
Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul. Now that would go as well, not just for um, men, but also for women. If women, if you are doing that, then you need to repent and stop as well. It's not just for men. I'm not picking on men at all in this session. So sex outside of marriage scatters a person's soul, mind, will, and emotions. And I've actually seen that when we've prayed for people, we've actually asked the Lord to return every part of them back to themselves, every part of their soul that's been scattered, um, that wherever it's been scattered to, scattered soul, spirit, and body, body, soul, and spirit. We say, we pray and we ask the Lord to bring those pieces back. And then we ask the Lord to return everything back to the person that it came from. So they are also made whole themselves so that we become the whole person that God created us to be before we were scattered. That's how we've prayed for people in the past. And I remember one girl actually saying, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm back. And it was like, what did you say? And she said, I could actually feel that. She said, it was like I came back. So whatever demonic activity had occurred at the time, she was actually set free from it and she got restored back to her own self, which is huge. It's a, an amazing thing. And we can't explain it because it's spiritual. Sexual involvement can form such an entangling web of soul ties. It's extremely difficult to break off a relationship without a lot of pain. And that is so true. And how a soul tie works, um, we did a, a session quite a few years ago, and a lady came to me for prayer at the end, and she said, I've been having dreams about my ex, whoever it was. I don't know if it's husband, partner, I can't remember now. And in the dreams, they were, they were of course, um, they were quite sexual dreams, I believe, she was having. and But that was coming from that soul tie that she'd had with that person. And they kept popping up in her dreams and whatever was happening to her. And we prayed for her to break those soul ties and to, you know, shut that door and not allow the Lord, not allow the the devil to have access to her mind again in that area. And a few weeks later, she actually came to me and she said, you know, I haven't had a dream since that. So it's very real. It's actually quite, it's quite incredible how those things work. So it says, um, what shall we do? Two people become one flesh. Yeah, we've said that. And we said there may be a transference of evil spirits, which I've been talking about, seducing spirits, lust, all that kind of thing. Um, ties with unhealthy associations. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 in the New King James. It says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. That's what we've been saying all along. Stay with people who have are good company, who are good for you, who are not going to lead you astray, draw you away from God and destroy your life. You cannot knit, knit to someone who is not leading a godly life without the relationship affecting your integrity, morality, emotions, and sexuality. 
Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 says, make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, do not go. So if a man has a temper, you are being warned, don't associate with them. Unless they're willing to deal with their anger, don't associate with them. Lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. There's a scripture in Psalm 124, I think it's 124 verse 7. It says, my soul has escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. So as we pray through these things today, I'm going to pray and believe that your soul will escape as a bird out of the snare of the fowler. By spending too much time with a person, you bind yourself to them and you will take on their characteristics because you've chosen to identify with them with your mind, will and emotions. Can two walk together unless they be agreed? That's what the word says in Amos 3.3. So you cannot develop a soul tie with someone unless you have agreed in some way to join your mind, will and emotions or your physical body together. There must be consent on your part. When this occurs, it allows for a person to emulate another's characteristics and attitudes and can allow a transference of spirits to occur. Many people don't know they're in bondage to something or someone until they're taught what bondage is and receive a revelation from the Holy Spirit. So I pray that you receive a revelation today from the Holy Spirit of any bondage that may be trying to hold you captive. Let's look at unhealthy family ties. I think we've touched on that very briefly before. Unhealthy family ties exist when the ties are governed by manipulation and control, abuse or sexual perverseness. Even in seemingly good relationships, unhealthy soul ties can develop if those relationships are not in the right order, such as a son or daughter that is not able to leave his or her parents and cleave to her or his mate without feeling tied to his parents. We spoke about that earlier, about the word saying that a man must leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And that's exactly what I was talking about. So in that kind of scenario, if the man has not done that, it's always been tied to maybe like his mummy's apron strings. You know, if you heard that expression, you know, tied to mummy's apron strings. And I'm not saying it ha- it's just women that that have like a man and a woman that happens to. It, it's um, either. It's like a, a, a man could be tied even to his father in some respects. You know, he might always have to go and look after and do what his father is telling him to do. Or yeah. when our children leave our care and they go to be with other people they're their own people they need to be allowed to make their own decisions without interference i'm actually really mindful of that i don't want to interfere in my children's decisions they must make their own decisions and from every decision we make there are consequences let's look at soul ties with the dead you know, the word forbids that we talk to the dead. Um, we're forbidden to speak to people who are dead. Um, there is a 
section in the Bible talks about necromancy, uh, which is another thing altogether. Um, but if you've had someone pass away, and it's, this isn't easy either, if you've had someone pass away and um, it's taken year, 20 years later, or I shouldn't, that's exaggerating, but 20 years later, you are still in the process of, you know, talking to them or, and you know, you can't live without them still. And I'm not being disrespectful here because we all have memories and we all have emotions. And there are times when a memory can trigger like severe emotion or emotion, but over the, as the years go by, it does get easier to deal with loss. Um, so it says, a soul tie with someone who has passed away can hold you in mental or emotional bondage to that person. So it's like you still think about them constantly, like daily. You can't, you can't function in your life without thinking about them. You can't go about your business even without thinking about them. And uh, I actually had a, an aunt who lost a son, my cousin, when he was only 16. And every day she went to the cemetery to talk to him every day after that. And um, she, she couldn't get over the loss of her son. And it's not healthy. I'm not saying it's not, there's no time to grieve. That's not what I'm saying at all. Please understand that. But it's not healthy. We are not to have a... Um, like an earthly relationship still with someone who has passed away. Soul ties through vows or oaths. You know, sometimes we make vows we don't even know we've made. They're inner vows, like, I will never do that again. And uh, we make these kind of vows. And if that happens, then we put conditions and things. Even if we vow to God, the word says, you know, if we make a vow to God, we need to keep it. So if we made a vow to the Lord and we haven't kept it, then, you know, he'll hold us to account for those things as well. Numbers 30 verse 2 says, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So it's very important that we do keep our vows and our word to people. And uh, what else is that? Soul ties through oaths, it's like um, fraternities, bikers, gangs, if we've even like making blood covenants. I mean, I don't think, I don't know how common that is, but, you know, if you, I've heard of people making blood covenants with someone, you know, they, they cut one another and mix their blood together. That's, that's not, uh, that creates demonic soul ties as well. Soul ties through occultic involvement. So that's like Ouija boards, you know, talking to the dead, familiar spirits, even astral travel, all that kind of thing. We met a lady once, a young lady, and she asked us, would we pray for her? And we said, yeah, of course we'll pray for you. What, what do you need prayer for? And she said she had been astral traveling and she'd left her body. And when she came to get back into her body, she couldn't get back in. There was something in there. So she actually still felt that she was outside her body looking in. What a terrifying experience. And she'd been like that for quite some time. So we did, we prayed for her. And of course, she, she had to repent for opening herself up to astral travel. 
And we asked, of course, we asked the thing to leave that had taken possession of her body and kept her soul on the outside. And basically she was set free and she was actually able to be back in her own body again. I know that sounds bizarre, but that's the actual um, consequences of occultic involvement. And I'm sure there's many, many other accounts and, and stories that can be told regarding that as well. So the summary is an emotionally dependent relationship Negative soul ties can lead to emotional dependency. An emotional dependency is the condition resulting when the ongoing presence or nurturing of another is believed necessary for personal securities. It's, it's like, I can't live without you. And if you leave me, I will die. And if you leave me, I'm going to jump off a cliff. And if you leave me, who's going to look after me? Uh, all this all is emo emotional blackmail, really. And you don't want to be involved in that if that's at all possible. It's not healthy. It's a type of soul tie that can happen between friends, parents and their children, spouses or boyfriends and girlfriends. It can develop into a form of witchcraft because it becomes controlling and dominating, which is not healthy at all. So why do we do that? Why do we get into these kind of relationships that would cause us to suffer that or be like that or, or even do that to other people? You know, I'm coming at it from this point of view that it's all being done to us. But what if we did that to other people as well? What if we were the one that were doing the manipulating and control as well? You know, it's... What, what if it was it was me that was doing that to other people? That is not good at all. So if anybody's listening to this and you are the one that's actually doing that, then you need to repent and ask the Lord to forgive you. Learn new behaviors, learn healthy behaviors, learn good boundaries and stop. So why do we enter into those things? Rejection in our youth. We talked about rejection in session three. And currently by others causes us to seek acceptance. Rejection is the major cause of homosexuality. I'm not quite sure about that. That's what's written in my notes. So I've just read that. I'm not quite sure if that's quite the case. However, this is what's in my notes. So I will, I've read it. Loneliness, looking for friendship. Why do we do that? That's why. Because we, we need to feel loved and accepted. We all have a basic need to feel loved and accepted. Low self-esteem, self-image. So we feed on each other. That's very, very unhealthy. Fear of being alone or being rejected. A life crisis, that's quite often how the enemy works. He will come in during a crisis. He will send someone along maybe that appears one way, but is actually not um, going to end up a friend. Um, I shouldn't say that really. That's maybe not quite 100%. It's not all the time. But sometimes the enemy does attack when we are weak. So be aware when you are weak who is coming around you to actually offer you support 
and then they are there for the right reason, for the right motive. Those are looking for authority, authority, sorry, cultivate that relationship. They will be in the relationship as long as they can control and manipulate the other person or else it's over. And sometimes people seek out people in authority because they want position and they want power and they want access to those people. And that's not that's not the way to go about it. You know, God will make room for you and he will make room for your gift. You don't need to push. You don't need to shove. God will make sure that the right people come to you in your life or he'll bring them to you or somehow you will connect to them and you will not have to chase ministry. You will not have to chase position. You don't have to chase anything. God is quite capable of orchestrating your life so that you are in the right place at the right time with the right people. So rest in that and trust that God will lead you and guide you into that. So what feeds an emotionally dependent relationship? Let's have a look at that. Flattery. There's one thing I actually hate, and that is flattery. You can tell when someone's trying to butter you up, as they say. I don't know whether you say that where you are in your nation, but flattery, I don't like being buttered up. If I think somebody is flattering me, I turn off. I just go, hmm. That's really nice, but thank you very much. No, no, thank you. So they're always looking for something in return. That's the thing. They want something. They've got an ulterior motive. Financial material possessions, they will keep gifts and money coming in to control you. Yeah, I've seen that happen before where, you know, constant flow of gifts um, because they want to be close to you or control you or whatever it is their motive is, there will always be a hook attached. You owe me. Because I brought you gifts, now you have to give me a platform. No. Because I bought you gifts, you owe me something. No. Uh, Quite often I would uh, probably try to refuse a gift like that and say thank you very much, but today I think you, you can... It'd be good if you take your gift home and maybe pass it on to someone else. Not that I've ever done that, but that thought just came to me as I was speaking. So the controlling person keeps up with the other person's whereabouts, who they spend time with and their activities. Excuse me a minute. I'll just have a drink. I've actually had people do that to me. You know, where are you going? Who are you with? What did they say? What were you doing? When did you get home? All that kind of thing, which had absolutely nothing to do with them. And like a constant barrage of those questions. And and it's like, what's God saying to you today? Or and super spiritual language and and just, you know, just be yourself. Just be, just be yourself. <laughs> Be who God's called you to be and be yourself. You don't need to try to be anybody else. So as as a controlling person keeps up with the other person's whereabouts, thereby the other person remains in bondage to each other in line. And that's a form of witchcraft, which is not very healthy at all. 
the I need you syndrome. I've spoken about that one. It's like, I can't live without you. I will kill myself if you leave. Whatever happens to me when you leave, it's your fault. It's blame shifting. They'll put the blame back on you. It's your fault because you're leaving me. It's your fault because I feel this way. And that's not, that's not true. That's not the truth. So here's some characteristics of emotionally dependent relationships. Always making references to the other person in conversation with others. It's like, oh, yes, yeah, so-and-so is my friend. They're my friend. Name-dropping my friend. This is my friend. You know, and it's like they want to impress you with who they know or, you know, that's, that's, my, that's my friend. And that's like, oh, my goodness, name-dropping especially if they keep doing it in a conversation or even speaking for the other person in conversation. Have you ever had somebody do that? Somebody's actually speaking for you in a conversation. It's quite, it's quite disconcerting actually. And it's something that you actually need to address and stop. We're not interested in developing other relationships and we'll even allow present relationships to collapse, even their marriage, in order to pursue the other relationship. That's pretty drastic, isn't it? Jealousy is expressed when others draw too close to the person. Possessiveness is displayed when they think they own the person. It's dreadful when there's ownership, when somebody thinks they own you, that there's just something very unhealthy about that relationship. They're emotionally preoccupied with the person. That's like thinking about them all the time, you know, sending them messages all the time. I actually heard of someone the other day, they'd actually um, rang, I think they tried ringing someone about 30 odd times and they just didn't stop trying to contact this person. It was actually a mother trying to contact her daughter um, and her daughter was at work, so she couldn't answer the phone. And the mother was very, very upset that her daughter didn't answer. But her daughter was at work and she couldn't answer. But by the end of the day, she had 30 odd missed calls from her mother who just wanted her to go and pick something up from the shops or something. It was something very um, little. It wasn't urgent. It wasn't life-threatening. It wasn't really even that important. But this is what happens to this, this young lady regularly with her mother, and she is going to have to address it because it's destroying her self-esteem. It's destroying her mental health. Her anxiety levels are actually through the roof because of all these phone calls that she's getting seven days a week, 24-7, that um, she feels emotionally obliged to answer because it's her mother, when in reality it's not healthy at all and it's not helping anyone by, by, doing what, by answering it and, and being part of it. So it's a very difficult situation for this dear young lady Anyhow, let's just keep going. So if one begins to withdraw, the other begins to panic emotionally. 
Sexual feelings and desires are aroused toward each other, even when of the same sex, when in a crowd or small group, they will always be looking at each other for eye contact. That just doesn't happen in that scenario. I've actually seen people in a group, even like friends within a group, and they're making eye contact across the room. And if one person says something that the other doesn't like, you can see the look. They get the look, you know, oh, the look, did you really say that? Or, you know, the, you get the, they get the look from the other person. And that can happen in relationships as well, like a husband and wife. If a wife says something that the husband doesn't like, he can just give her that look as if to say, what did you say that for? And that actually can be a form of control as well. It's not healthy. And that's something that you need to um, talk amongst yourselves about. And that's... I said that to my own husband. What did you say that for? You know, why did you say that? But I didn't, you know, do it in front of people. It was like, why did you say that? That was just like, that just wasn't kind or it wasn't whatever it was. My husband's a good man, by the way. So we're going to look at prayers now to go through um, these prayers to break soul ties. Let's just have a little pause for a minute. just had to have a little pause for a minute to gather my thoughts and to breathe again. So um, I don't think it would actually disrupt the recording. So that's good. I like to be real, you know, I'm a real person. So I like to be real on what I'm delivering. I don't think um, that I'm, I'm not a professional by any means. I'm just a person who's doing a job at the moment of delivering a session to you. And it's an important session. So now we're going to look at the prayers to break soul ties. So there is a handout that goes with this session. And on the handout, there are prayers that deal with ties formed through fornication, unhealthy family ties, soul ties through vows and oaths, ties with unhealthy associations, soul ties with the dead, soul ties through occult involvement. And on those notes, if you can take note or write down the things that have come to mind as I've spoken today on this session of anyone that you can think of that you've had like these ungodly ties with, write their names down. And if it's occultic involvement, write down what it is. And then we are going to go through prayers now to actually repent and to break those ties. First step is repent. Repentance. I love repentance. It's so liberating. Repentance and forgiveness. Forgive and release the other person or persons and even forgive yourself. That's important as well. You've got to forgive yourself as well. Believe and expect to be set free as you pray. So let's start with prayer to sever soul ties formed through fornication. Father, in the name of Jesus, I submit my soul, my desires, and my emotions to your spirit. I confess as sin all my promiscuous premarital sexual relationships and all sexual relationships outside of marriage. 
I confess all my ungodly spirit, soul, and body ties as sin. I desire you to loose me from all soulish ties to past sexual partners and ungodly relationships. Please uproot all the trappings of sexual bondage, of emotional longings and dependencies and enslaving thoughts. I bind, renounce and resist any evil spirits that have been reinforced through these evil associations. In the name of Jesus, I break the soul tie that exists between me and, and then you've got to just list the names. Think, renounce, break the soul tie each time you name someone. Break the soul tie that exists between me and whoever it is. Please cleanse my soul and help me to forget all illicit unions so that I am free to give my soul totally to you and to my mate. Father, I receive your forgiveness and freedom through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for setting me free. Now we're going to move on to sever soul ties that form through family ties and ties to the dead. So get your list out again and see what you've written on there so we can go through that. Father, I ask you to break any ungodly soul ties I have with. I ask you to release me from all bondages associated with this tie. With your precious blood, Jesus, wash me clean of them. Holy Spirit, Fill me in those places left vacant by any ungodly spirits. In the mighty name of Jesus, I ask. And in the name of Jesus, I break the soul tie that exists between me and, and name the person again, or people. And I want you to know there is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. There is no self-condemnation. You must not condemn yourself. There is no condemnation to those in Christ. There is repentance, and there is forgiveness. So please do not feel condemned. The Lord wants to see you free and whole. Father, I receive your forgiveness and freedom through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for setting me free. Now here's the Father to sever soul ties formed through the occult. Father, I now confess that I have sought from Satan the help that should have come from you, I now confess as sin. Whatever activity you were involved in, confess it as sin. You name the occult sin and the individuals involved. If that's witchcraft, you need to repent for that as well. Witchcraft. I just feel that there are people that are listening to this. You have been involved in witchcraft and the Lord wants you to repent right now to be free of witchcraft in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I break the soul tie that exists between me and whoever that is as well. I receive your freedom and forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for setting me free. Now, you don't need to do all those prayers all at once. You can do them over a period of time. 
sit down with the Holy Spirit and ask the Lord to show you exactly who, where, why, all those things that have been allowed to operate in your life, maybe knowingly or unknowingly, and the Lord will set you free. It's a prayer to sever soul ties formed through vows or oaths. Father, I confess and repent of my sin of making the vow or oath, whatever that is. You will know the Holy Spirit will bring it back to you, inner vows and oaths as well. Please forgive me of this sin. I bind, renounce and repent of this sin. In the name of Jesus, I break the soul tie that exists between me and name the person again. Father, I receive your forgiveness and freedom through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for setting me free. Here's the prayer to sever soul ties formed through unhealthy associations. Father, I confess to having unhealthy relationship with whoever that is. Please uproot all trappings of bondage, of emotional longings and dependencies and enslaving thoughts. I bind, renounce and resist any evil spirits that have reinforced these unhealthy associations. Please cleanse my soul and help me break these relationships so I am free to give my soul totally to you. Father, I receive your forgiveness and freedom through the blood of Jesus. Thank you for setting me free. So my prayer is that this session is a blessing to you, that you have better understanding now of the importance of soul ties how important it is to be set free from the bondage of having soul ties, how to recognize a soul tie. Quite regularly, I will pray myself and I will say, Father, I ask you right now to break the power of every ungodly soul tie that I may have in any relationship, in any shape or form, even in, in ministry, in my life, in my family, if it's coming from me to other people, I break the power of that right now in Jesus' name. If it's coming from other people to me, I break the power of that soul tie, that ungodly tie, the unholy alliance, the unholy agreement, the unholy bondage that I may be under. And I ask the Lord to set me free. I do that regularly. And I, and I pray that I'm in, even in ministry circles, I pray that I'm with the right people, the right time, in the right place, doing the right thing. It's almost like a maintenance program that I have in my own life to pray when I pray. And I ask the Lord to cut me and sever soul ties that he does not want me to have. And that way we stay, we stay clean in the spirit, and we say we stay within his boundaries as well. So may God bless you, and I hope that this has been a blessing to you. Thanks for joining us today at The Kingdom Community. We trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us. We exist to connect, equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God. 
To learn more about the Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better.